Awesome. Take your seat. Take a seat. Take a seat. How awesome's baptisms? They are great. Who's been a uh, regular at One Heart Church over this year? Who knows a, a, a bit of a series of messages that Pastor Rob's been doing? Who can tell me a name? Freedom, yes. I was, I was thinking a bit more of a Mary Seven Demons. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? So I'm going to talk about Mary seventh, seventh Demon, the wild card. Not really, that's a joke. I'm honestly not talking about that. I was just um, seeing if you were, uh, maybe, maybe, but not, not today. But if you've got a Bible, who's got a Bible? I encourage you to bring a physical paper, leather-bound, hard cardboard-bound Bible. But we're going to go to Mark. Oh, there should be come on the screen. Mark 12, and we're going to look at verses at verses 18. Is everyone good with that? We're going to start with the Bible. So Mark 12, we're going to look at verses 18, and we'll read to 27. So I'll find 18. Here we go. So a discussion about resurrection. A discussion about resurrection. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. I'm just going to quickly pause before I go any further. A lot of people in our society will talk about, why is there so many different churches, denominations? And basically, if you read the Bible, when you get into it, you'll see in the New Testament when Jesus is around, there's a lot of different uh, religious leaders. that You'll hear of Pharisees, Sadducees, and basically it's very similar to why we've got different churches today. We have Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, and really just people just see things differently in the Bible. And that's those differences back in Jesus' day and there's differences in our day. Now, whether we won't go into who's right and who's wrong because it's not really what it's about. It's about Jesus' resurrection and our eternal in heaven. But we see that there were Sadducees because there's a difference in thinking of what Scripture means. But I was just, gonna, I was just putting that in there so people can know what that's about. So they pose this question. Uh, they pose this question. Teacher, talking to Jesus, Moses gave us a law. If a man dies, leaving his wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have children who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. Can everyone say seven? The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second brother uh, married the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was in our society, I think there'd be some questions being asked about why all these men are dying. But it says here, uh, they continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the, women, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. Mm. Jesus replied, your mistake, everyone say mistake, is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Can everyone say power? Great job, power. I believe in power. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. We believe in angels. But now, as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses, in the story of the burning bush? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. You have made a serious error. All right, we're going to pray and we'll get into it. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us right now. We thank you that you can speak to us. You can 
talk to us in a place where we can grow, where we can be in freedom. And God, we just thank you that this is your freedom and that we can be and live in that, God. We just thank you even right now as we don't see him, but the kids, God, and toddlers and one heart kids, God, we just believe that they can hear from you right now as well. They can leave encouraged, strengthened, that there's seeds being planted in their lives that will be fruitful in the days to come. And whether people listen on podcasts, YouTube video, who knows, God, we just thank you that you can speak to them where they're at, that they can live in freedom and see the power of God at work in their lives. And everyone said, amen. So I'm going to read just verses 24 again. Your mistake, and then at the end we saw about it was a serious error, is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And so there are good questions and bad questions. Everyone knows that. In life, there's some good questions and we have ask bad questions. A good question could be is, how big was the fish that you caught? That's a good question. Take an interest. How big was the fish? I, I caught a goldfish this big. I caught a goldfish this big. This big. Um, that's a good question. Another good question could be is, um, how many goals did you score? Did you get 10? That would be $10 in the bank at my house. We get a, a dollar for every goal that we scored. Uh, you could even ask a good question. Could be is how can I help? Do you need help? They're good questions. Everyone agree with me? That's a good question. A bad question is, and it often has tone. You know what I'm talking about? A tone can change a lot from whether it's a good question to a bad question. So it could be, what are you wearing? That's a bad question, but you need the tone. What are you wearing? It's different to, what are you wearing? The tone changes it. Another one could be is, what are you eating? Like, I see my sister sometimes just getting into like pickles. I'm like. What are you eating? But hey, if she loves them, don't go breathing into my nostrils. But so we saw in Mark, the Sadducees are asking a bad question to Jesus. That them, it's not, it wasn't even really a question. It was more of a test. They're trying to say, oh, we can outsmart Jesus here. And so for us, we know Jesus was there in creation. And so he knows everything. And so why the heck would you try and fool the creator of everything? But that's their, their, self, their silly thing. But their self-righteousness and pride caused them to make a serious mistake. That's what it did. They're, they're, they're thinking, well, we can outsmart the creator, cause them to get themselves into a trouble and be look like fools. And so uh, when it comes to living the life, Jesus' purpose for us, living in freedom, we need, uh, when we don't know the Bible, we will make mistakes. So it's true. When we don't know the scriptures, which is the Bible, we will make mistakes. When we don't know the power of God, we will make mistakes. It's the same. And so when we don't know the Bible and the power of God, we'll end up like the Sadducees in serious error. Now, whether that's in your thinking, decisions that you make in your life, when you don't know the God and the Scripture and you don't know the power of God in your life, you'll be making mistakes and putting yourself in a position where you'll be in serious error. And so when we, uh, and so being a year of freedom, let's be free from mistakes. Hey, exactly. And so. I'm going to talk about two mistakes every Christian won't make. And so who knows what our church's vision is? Say it with me if you do. To be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love their community. So if we're to stay in tune with our church's vision, I'm going to talk about two mistakes a mature believer won't make. Is everyone cool with that? And so we got it up there. Uh, is The first one is not knowing the Bible. That's one mistake we will not make is not knowing the Bible. And the second mistake, if we're going to be mature believers, we're not going to not know the power of God, right? And so we could say then a measurement of our spiritual maturity is do you know the Bible and then do you know the power of God? That's a, a measurement that we can say, well, that's how mature we are. And so I want to talk about what knowing your Bible is. So I don't just want you to know the Bible, but do you truly know the Bible? 
And I'll explain what I mean by when I say this. So this message, what I'm going to talk about, it's not just about reading the Bible. I'm going to assume as a mature believer, that's a given. You're going to be reading the Word of God daily as a basic principle for your life. Um, you could, and so we can, we can get the Bible. We can read it from cover to cover. We can study maps. We can look at all of it and be full of knowledge but, uh, and historical information, but you don't get revelations from mass reading. You might, but I doubt it. Just from reading this as a textbook, you're not going to be having God speak to you through that. You, it, it could happen, but if that's the reason why you're doing it, it's not going to happen. And so I would say this, it's better to read one verse and God speak to you, revelation, inspiration, all the things that God can do in your life. And so you, you, you can read the Bible, get a rev, read a verse, you might get revelation, God inspires you, and it can lead to you thinking and saying some questions to yourself, which could be things like, I need to change things. When God speaks to you in the Bible, it will lead you to go, you know what, there's some things I've got to change. Uh, it could lead you to think, wow, I am not thinking big enough. I've got to expand the way I think. I'm being too limited. I, I'm, I'm too short-sighted in, in my future's direction. Things that could lead you to think is, uh, it's time I believe for more. Because it's like, I believe for, uh, to be more generous. I could believe for more finances. I believe for, for more kids. I don't know what it is, but you go, you know what, you've got to read the word and God can speak to you. you, know, you know what, I've got to believe for more. Uh, I need to create more margins in my life. You might be living your life just like, from this to that to, and, and not having any space to think. But you might, God might change, you know what, you need to create more margins. Because you keep being late to work, maybe you've got to create a margin to go, you know what, I'm going to be ready by this time. Now 15 minutes, if there's a mistake, I can get to work on time. You, the word of God should be able to speak to you like that. Another one could be a simple one is like, God loves me. That's a thing that God can speak to you. you know, God loves me. I don't have to get my, my appreciation from people. I don't have to get my appreciation about from how, how many best players I got in my sporting competition. No, we can read the Bible and go, you know what? God values me. He loves me for who I am. Now, does it mean I'm going to stay like this? No, I'm going to continue to become more like Jesus' image. But I don't need to take, get my value from what people think. I get my value from my Heavenly Father. And so the Bible has to speak to you like that. And so I'll say it's better to read one verse that you hear God than read all the books and not hear God. There's no point reading the whole Bible like, well, I know what it says. But if God hasn't spoken to you, what's the point? Read one verse and let God just do something within you, then read it all and not, not have anything. And so some disciples knew the scripture, right? They knew the Bible. And so there, there's a situation in Luke 9 where I'll, I'll, I'll debrief a bit. So in, in the scripture in 2 Kings 1, so if you write that down, 2 Kings 1, you can look it up for yourself. There was a guy called Elisha, I think it was. No, it was Elijah, so similar names, Elijah. So he's, he, there's this place called Samaria. Can anyone say Samaria? And the king didn't like a Elijah. Eli, no, it was Elijah, I reckon. The king didn't like him from Samaria and then wanted to kill him. So he pretty much this group in the middle is about an army of that size, right? And he sends this army to go and kill him. And so then Elijah goes, if I'm a man of God, may fire from heaven come down and consume you or something like that. And they all get vape like they'll get burnt up. And that's like, well, that's interesting. So the king goes, well, send another army. So another army comes. Same thing happens. They all get burnt from fire from heaven because he was a man of God. And then the third army comes and says, please don't kill us. Like, and so uh, the, these disciples knew the scripture. They knew that story. And there's a time where the Samaritans offended them, right? And so, as I said, go to Luke 9 and you'll see this in there. But the, these Samaritans offend the disciples. And so they say to Jesus, hey, should we cool down from fire to consume them? And then... In, in the King James Version, or the New King James Version, Jesus rebukes them and says, 
you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. So what he's saying is, you know the scripture, you know what happened, but you don't know it. You don't actually know it. You, you know it historically, but you don't know the spirit of it. And so we can know the Bible, but do we know it? Is God speaking to us through it in a way that helps us? And so um, there's so much in the Bible where people knew about it, but they didn't know it. Other one is Satan. He knew the scripture. Jesus got baptized, and then he goes out um, and fasts, and then the, de- the devil starts speaking to him. What about this scripture? What about that scripture? Satan knew it, but he didn't know it. Jesus knew it. And so I want to encourage you, you've got to know the Bible, not just know what it says, but you've got to know it, the spirit of it, and why it's there. Now, I'm going to do a bit of an example. I'm going to use it. I can use it. Hey, Benjamin, can you just come up here for me? And Nathan, Sue, I'll just borrow you two if you're able. Just come up on the stage. So who knows, is it, as you should know, who knows that I have parents? Who would know that? And all right, so for those that don't know, this is Benjamin. And those that don't know, this is Arthur and Sue. Arthur and Sue, Benjamin Church. All right. So people that don't, for the people that don't know, Benjamin is Arthur and Sue's son, right? So if any of you don't know, that he is a result of Arthur and Sue. Now, if Arthur and Sue wasn't here, if Arthur and Sue wasn't here, we would still know that Benjamin had a mum and dad, right? We would still know that. Why? Because a dad and a mum equals child. It's, it's the way it works. So, but we do know Arthur and Sue, so that's therefore we do know that connection. But to explain my thing is, so Benjamin, therefore, by the result of human nature, knows that he has parents. He knows that because he knows that I couldn't exist. He didn't come off the back of crystals. He, he, he didn't come from some slime in the water that mutated to, oh, he's Benjamin. No, he came because he had two parents, right? And so whether he actually knew his parents or not, he knows they exist because he wouldn't be there without them. I know that I'm not. I'm here. I wouldn't be here without parents. It's just the way life works. And so, but the difference is Benjamin knows his parents because they speak to him. Is that right? Can you speak to Benjamin? See? You know them because they speak to him. And so thank you guys. Great, great participating. But that is the same with the Bible. When you know the Bible, it will speak to you. I know it exists. I know it's there. But I know it when it speaks to me. And so hopefully, hopefully that's a bit of an example that you can understand what it means. That's the difference between knowing the Bible and knowing the Bible. All right? So, uh, and then the next one is not just know the power of God. Do you truly know the power of God? And it's a very similar thing to what we are talking about before. So we can know God has power. I believe God created the world. That's enough power for me to believe. If God created all of this, well, God has power. But do I personally know his power at work in my life? And so Acts 1a, I love this. But you will receive power. Can everyone say power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we've got to ask the question, uh, uh, did you receive it? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And have you received the power in your life? And so that uh, often... The power of God, I believe, can be a lot of people talking about the presence of God. Oh, I felt the presence of God. Well, that is the power of God. Every time you hear people talking about the presence of God, that can really be equated to the same thing as talking about the power of God. And so One Heart Church isn't a powerless church. I believe we're a church full of power of God, full of the Spirit, where he can do things where we could not do naturally. And so I refuse to be in a church where we are uh, dead and we're just religious and have no power. Now, we're going to be a church full of power, full of the Spirit, where, where people can't explain what's going on, 
because it's, it's, there's a supernatural element. When we worship God, his presence is here. Pastor Rob will talk about this quite often, that there's, um, not, not from, from the pulpit, but in personal, he'll talk about there's so many times where you have atheists, oh, I don't believe that there's a God. They'll come into a church service and in a worship experience, and they, they go, what is this? That it's not just a bit of band playing music, because there's the presence of God there, and so many atheists that get brought to church actually get saved, because they go, there's more to this than just a few songs and someone public speaking, because it's the power of God, it's the presence of God, right? And so I believe that we're going to have worship, we're going to have services at One Heart Church where it's not just, oh, a good performance. No, there's a presence of God there. There's a power there. I believe we're going to see testimonies of people just worship God. You know what? Oh, I'm going to sore shoulder, but I'm going to lift it up anyway. And we're going to see miracles. We're going to see healings take place. Uh, when we pray, I believe God's presence is here. I believe we're going to be a church when there's prayer. When someone does a prayer, you know what? As Pastor Rob did before, we're going to pray for things. There's a presence there. People go, you know what? God is speaking to me right now. Other things could be is when we hear the preached word, God's presence is here. When we feel the presence of God, we are feeling the power. And that's basically what it is. And so we're going to go now to just a few more verses in Acts 18. And so if you go open up to the Acts 18, we're going to start at verses 24. And this is really going to, uh, from baptism side of things, we're going to talk about some of that stuff and see how it can relate to us. So Apollos instructed at, uh, instructed at Ephesus. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, everyone say that, knew the scriptures well, had arrived, oh, I was going to, when I was going to say, I stuffed it up, I was going to go eloquent in a um, British accent, but uh, I feel like that's more eloquent, but I didn't do it. Uh, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit, with accuracy. Uh, however, he knew only about uh, John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Now, I was gonna, uh, I love that bit, bit that um, it says there, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. And the other one thing there, as what we've been talking about, says he knew the scriptures well. He knew, he knew the scriptures, but he was missing something. He didn't quite have all of all of what was meant to have. And so Priscilla and Aquila did, they said, hey, come over here. But I just want to give you a hint. Mark 12, 24. The mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. There's a hint for you. Now, Apollos um, uh, knew the Bible, but he was missing something. He knew it, but there was something missing there. And I just want to quickly just give you a side note. It says that he was, that this guy, Apollos, was preaching and he was bold. He had a fire of God on his life to see people changed, to see people encounter Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, there's a mature way to correct someone when they got something a bit wrong. There's a mature way to do it, and Priscilla and, Aqu Priscilla and Aquila did it. They didn't over-preach him. Oh, you're not wrong. You're missing something. No, they, they, they said, you know what? Hey, come here privately with us, and we're going to help you out a little bit. And so in your life, you, you, someone can have the, the burning passion for Jesus, don't be the one that crushes that and destroys that because you, you corrected them immaturely. Do it in a mature way where they can grow and develop. But so that's just a side thing. So what was missing? Now, for those that, if you've never done Bible college, I just encourage you to do, do Bible college. It helps you so much. But we would realize when the Bible was written, and if you didn't, I'm just going to give you a mind blow, that it wasn't written with chapters and verses. 
when these people wrote it, they just wrote a big letter. And then what we've done to help ourselves out so we can all be on the same page, literally, or whatever, or the same Google search, whatever it is, is that they've put in chapters and verses just to break it up a bit so we can read it in a help portion and go, man, when do I stop reading? This continues. We just go, oh, that's simple. There's, it breaks it up and helps us. And so when Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, wrote this, he actually answers that question in the next the next part, which is actually in chapter 19. But if we'll just read uh, the chapter 18, oh, it's finished. Oh, okay, he was missing something. Sweet. But if you if you re- just keep reading a little bit further, you go, it actually explains what was missing. And so we're going to... Uh, just read that. It's not episode over. I know we we don't know what he was missing. So, but if we if we just go into verses 19, we're going to read verse 1 to 7, and it will answer us what he was missing. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the in, uh, interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't heard there's a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Now, uh, and then in verse 4, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Now, I just want to, Paul is referring to what is written in Matthew 3.11. I'm just going to read that so you know what he's talking about. So John the Baptist in Matthew 3 is baptizing people when he says this. I baptize you with water, uh, those who repent of their sins and turn to God. And so basically when we get baptized, it's the thing of saying, you know what, we, we agree that we are sinners and we know that there's wrong in our life. But it says he will baptize them of their sins and they turn to God. But someone who is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave or carry his sandals, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then the fulfillment of that is found in Acts 2, 1 to 4. And all the Pentecostals will know what this is. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then just another one, in one Acts one eight says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But So then going back to verse 4, I'll just read that again and we'll finish verse 7. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. And so... That's the full gospel. The full gospel is power. And so Apollos knew about the baptism of water, but he was missing something. And we believe in the baptism of water. We believe that people can make the declaration, you know what, No, out. we've made mistakes, but we choose to have a new life with Jesus. But the next step is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that power will come into our lives to help us do what we couldn't do naturally. And I really believe that we can see that. And so people can say, well, what is good news? Like, uh, it's a good question. What is the, like the, oh, sorry, what is the gospel? Because we believe in the full gospel, like uh, Paul did. And it, it's the good news. And so the good news is the gospel. And people can ask, well, what's the good news? Richmond won the grand final. That is good news, but that's not the good news. It's the good news about Jesus, and it's the good news about what Jesus can do through our lives. That's what the gospel is. 
And so, and that's why they talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible. They're the Gospels because they're the good news about Jesus and what he does for us. And so, Apollos knew the good news about Jesus, but only had half a story up until water baptism. And so, yeah, we got to believe for the power of God and what he can do with us. And so, um, we believe the full gospel. We believe from Genesis to Revelation in this church. One Heart Church, we're all Bible church. We believe in every part of it. We believe in the Old and New Testaments. We believe they're all inspired by the Scripture. Oh, it's, it's, scripture. We're all, it's all inspired by God to help us live the life we need. And so we at One Heart, we're in the, involved in the movement ACC. It's not better really than any other movement, just what we're involved in. And it was formerly the Assemblies of God in Australia. And back in the day, a lot of churches in our movement used to have the names like it would be rather than One Heart Church, it would be Port Lincoln Full Gospel Church. And that's just the name they had for their churches. And uh, weird name, but and but basically the church in that knew the churches knew what they believed and why they believed it. And they go, you know what? We believe in the full gospel. We know why we believe that. And I think it's important for us as a Christian to know what we believe and why we believe it. And just for some of us that are new to one heart, new to church, I just want to read our belief. So there should be a slide that will come up, and it has a, a URL. Search that on your phone if you ever want to. And it took, that has. Um, the, the basic beliefs of the ACC church, and it's got, and then if you go to the bottom of it all, it has a little thing, our doctrinal basis. Go into that, and it has all, so it expands everything bigger, and it has the Bible verses and all the reasons of why we believe that. So you can look it up for yourself and go, oh, I know why I believe it. And when you're challenged, you can go, I just believe it because of whatever reason. But I'm just going to read our beliefs, so, and I encourage you to encourage me if you believe with this as well. We believe that the Bible is God's word, it is accurate, authoritative, and applicable to our everyday lives. We believe in one eternal God who is creator of all things. He exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is totally loving and completely holy. We believe that sin has separated each of us from God and his purpose for our lives. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is both God and man and is the only one who can reconcile us to God. He lived a sinless life an exemplary life, so he gave us an example, died on the cross in our place and rose up again to prove his victory and empower us for life. And that's what we're singing about. Jesus' name has victory this morning. We believe that in order to receive forgiveness and the new birth, we talk about being born again, we must repent of our sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and submit to his will for our lives. We believe that in order to live the holy and fruitful lives that God intends for us, we need to be baptized in water and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to use spiritual gifts, including speaking in tongues, which is the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God has individually equipped us so that we can successfully achieve his purpose for our lives, which is to worship God, fulfill our role in the church, and serve the community which we live in. I'm going to read that again quickly. We believe that God has individually equipped us so that we can successfully achieve his purpose for our lives, which is to worship God. We believe in worshiping God. Fulfill our role. Can everyone say our role? Do you have a role in the church and serve the community in which we live? We believe this. Uh, We believe that God wants to heal and transform us so that we can live healthy and prosperous lives in order to help others more effectively. We believe that our eternal destination of either heaven or hell is determined by our response to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again as he promised. BRB, be right back. Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back. 
We believe that. So if you want to know what we as a church believe, go on that, and that's what I've read, and that's what we believe. We believe that those things are how we can live our lives. But in the, um, the doctrinal basis, there's a bit on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to read that for us because that's what the power is all about. So we believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a bestowing of the believer with power to be an effective witness for Christ. This experience is distinct from and subsequent to the new birth, is received by faith and is accompanied by the manifestation of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance as the initial evidence. And so I want to talk about for you that if you want to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues is for all. It's not just a thing of, oh, well, they, this person, Con can get the gift, Benjamin can get the gift. No, it's actually a gift that everyone can receive, and it's up to you whether you choose to open up the box or not. That's the truth. I can give Luke a present. Here you go, Luke, have a present. But it's his choice if he wants to open the box or not. And so I just want to encourage you for that. It's a gift for all, not for some. But Ephesians 3.20, can everyone say that? Ephesians 3.20, this is one of my favorite verses. Now, all glory to God. Can everyone give God glory? Woo! God glory. I love God. Who is able, so all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, where? Within us. Within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And now, you may have heard all of this. Exceedingly abundantly. Super abundantly. Now, super is like the hero, not your, your money that gets saved up for retirement. Superhero abundantly. <laughs> Immeasurably more than our greatest hopes and dreams or what we might ask and imagine. And I believe that. I believe the power of God can come into our life, that he can do so much more than we could possibly imagine, conceive, or our mind could even work through what he can do with us. Um, and so the question is, if we believe this, why don't we believe this? If we believe the Bible, why don't we live with the power in our lives? And so I just want to tell a story. Who's, who wants to hear a bit of story time with Josh? I've got a sister called Mariah. And so she, she, if you're in church, you might know her as the person that leads our kids' ministry. But before she was married, she was living in my house, or in the house I live in as well. And uh, it was a, it's not my house I live in, but you know what I mean. So Mariah is in, in our bathroom and she's um, straightening her hair. So there's a tool called a hair straightener, right? And basically for us guys, when your clothes get creased up, we use an iron to iron the creases out. A hair straightener is basically an iron for hair, right? And so because girls don't like creases in their hair, they want it straight sometimes. So she goes Sunday morning, she's, she gets her, her hair ironed, straightener, and she's wanting to straighten it. And it's broken. And she's like, oh, I'm going to have to have curly hair now. She's spewing. But so then she couldn't straighten her hair with her hair straightened. And lucky she's got a mum that had one. She borrowed her mum's and that was all fine. But on the Monday, she receives this email saying, your replacement hair straightener has been dispatched or shipped or whatever the email says. And she's like, now who knows i got a good mum. For those that don't know, my mum's cool. And then in the Bible, there's a Proverbs 31. And I always refer to my mum as a Proverbs 31 mum. And because she does things for us that we, it's just awesome. And so Mariah thinks mum's been legit awesome and called up. So the hair straightener, there's a brand called GHD. And Mariah thinks mum's rang up GHD and said, hey, um, my daughter's hair straightener broke down. This is what the problem is. Can you send us a new one? So that's what Mariah thinks has happened. Hey, mum, why'd you ring up GHD for me? Mum's like, I didn't do it. And I was like, no, nah, come on. Like, you're awesome, mum. You would have done it. 
Mum's like, I honestly did not ring up anyone. Mariah, I've done this, this today, and I haven't had the time to do that. So Mariah's like, well, this is not good. So she calls up GHDSL and says, hey, guys, um, I've had a broken hair straightener. It's already been replaced before. So she's already had a replacement. She goes, um, I've just received this email saying you've dispatched or shipped a new hair straightener for me. Now she goes, it's funny because mine's broken down just yesterday, but I haven't actually initiated any conversation here for you to see this new hair straightener get sent to me. So there's this British lady who's talking on the phone, and uh, she goes, wow. Oh, no, how do I how do it? Wow, that's amazing. How do they do it? So that's, how, that's how Mariah says this lady said to her. She goes, she goes um, that's crazy. Every time that we do a dispatchment of a replacement, there always has to be a reason why it's dispatched. And she goes, that's not filled in. And this was processed five days before that Sunday. It was on the Tuesday. And so now this isn't about the power of God within us, but if God can do infinitely more in Mariah's life, with a hair straightener before she can even ask or think that she needs a replacement. And I believe that wasn't just by chance. I believe God, because Mariah's money was tight, that she was saving all her money for a house and a wedding, that she didn't want to really be spending extra money for a hair straightener. That was a blessing of God on her life to go, you know what, Mariah, you can have a good wedding and you don't have to worry about that expense. But if God can do exceedingly abundantly above what Mariah thought, before she could even ask, think, or imagine that she needed one, how much more can God do within my life? How much more can God do within your life? I don't know about you, but that just lifts my faith. Every time I think of that, I go, you know what, God? Life is good. God is good. And if God can provide my sister a hair straightener, he can provide me with the power that I need to do things before I even think I need to do it. And so uh, uh, the worship team can come back if, if they feel comfortable. And so now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more, immeasurably, exceedingly, super abundantly, more than we might ask, think, or imagine. And so I just, I just love that, and I want to see that in our lives. In John 20, it, it's pretty cool, in verses 30 to 31, it says this, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the others recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Now, Jesus' name has power. I want to encourage you that. His name does have power. And then in John 21, 25, it says this, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world uh, could not contain the books that would be written. And if we believe that all glory to God, he was able to do infinitely, super abundantly, immeasurably, all those things more than what we could think, ask, or imagine, if God can do that, why can't there be stories written in about our lives of the amount of things of the power of God doing through us? If the, the power of God did things for Jesus, there should be so many stories that we couldn't write books enough to be able to explain the things of, we've done for our lives. And then I love what it says in Daniel 11.32, and I'll just merge two uh, translations, the King James and New King James. It says this, The people that know their God will be strong, and do or carry out great exploits. And so basically, when we know the Bible, when we know the Bible when it speaks to us, we know God. And when we know the power of God, when we have his strength, we will do great things in life. When we know God, when we have his power within us, we will be doing great exploits. And so we, I want to encourage you, you know what? You should be doing great exploits in your life. You should be seeing people getting saved. You should see people encountering God wherever you go. And there should be so many stories of it 
that just like the gospel of John couldn't contain it all, that we should could not. We'll be telling stories, oh, yeah, there's that time that God did this, that God did that. And we'll be like missing hundreds because we should be living that kind of a life. That's a life that God has for us. And you've got to lift your faith to that if you don't believe that. Now, um, and so the question could be, is, Josh, I haven't seen God's power. I don't know God. Where do I start? And it's a great question. And so I've got an, a final example. So I talked about Mariah, talk, and now I'm going to talk about Carmel, my next sister. Now, she, she drives a car that in our household we call Wes. And so it's called Wes because that's like the first letters on the number plate. used to be my car, but she's been blessed to drive Wes now. But on the steering wheel, who knows a car has a steering wheel? If it doesn't, you should get a new car. On the steering wheel, there's a sticky note taped to it, turn the lights off. And so it's a, it's a funny sort of statement. It says, turn the lights off. But I think as a Christian, there's a lot of similarities that this car wears and Josh or us as a Christian can have in common. And so often, uh, and why the lights get turned off is because if she leaves them on, the battery goes flat and it has no power to start up again. And so I think there's too many times in our lives or as Christians' lives where we turn the lights off because now it's either we leave them on and we run out of power to keep them on, being the light of God, because we need to be the light, or we turn them off in a situation because we're like, we don't have the power to go, you know what, I want to sustain this light. We could go to school. Oh, I'll be the light one day. Then you get discouraged. You get bullied. And then you go, oh, I'll just turn the lights off. Um, or, or there's so many situations in our life that can cause us as a Christian to turn the lights off. But we don't have to be a Wes church. We can be a church with power to keep those things on shiny. Um, the other element of the Wes church, or, or a Wes Christian, I should say, is that it relies then, when the, the battery goes flat, it has no power, to be jump-started. And there's too many Christians that are jump-start Christians. Oh, yes, I love God. Woo, I'm doing awesome things. Oh, I'm so discouraged. Oh, this person... I, I just gave them a free coffee and they didn't say thank you. Why did I do that? And they rely on a jump start from another Christian to go, that was really good. Do it again. And but, but I believe, as we've read this morning, that the power of God is power within us, that we don't rely on a jump start, that, that we can have the power to do exceedingly abundantly more, that we can do great exploits and we're not reliant on a jump start. We, we don't have to turn the lights off. We can keep them shining. And when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that can bubble up from within you in a way that I don't need to be powered by Luke. Now, does he encourage me? Sweet. But I get my encouragement from the Holy Spirit to myself. And so that's why speaking in tongues, people will be like, oh, well, I don't, I, I don't know about that. I know speaking in tongues is real. And people will be like, how do I know if it's from God or not? Because I know when I've got discouraged, when I speak in tongues, there's a fire that burns within me that goes, I'm going to do it again. And so I could be like, oh, I really preached bad at church. I talked too fast. Um, or oh, I, I didn't get the, the right point across. But when I start speaking in tongues, there's a fire that comes within me. It goes, you know what? I don't need encouragement from Liana, Amy. I've got it burning from within my life. And so if you want to know how can I see that power of God at work, you've got to go, you know what? I want to have that, that gift of tongues so that I can have that Unlike Wes needing power charge, no, no, I have the power charge coming from within me. And so, uh, uh, and so the, yeah, so I want to encourage you that people can go, well, how do I know if I'm speaking, if this is real? When you're discouraged and you do it and you feel 
that power charge, you know it's real. And then when you have that, well, then you can have the power to do the great exploits. And so I just got a few verses here about what speaking in tongues is. So 1 Corinthians 14, read that whole thing and it really helps you. But a few verses, verse 2 says this, For you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Verse 14, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Verses 4, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. And that's just what I talked to you about. And then Jude 20, there's no chapters because it's just one, one thing. It's like a chapter itself. But you, dear brothers and sisters, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you. You want to see power to do great things? Get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, do it a daily thing. Go, you know what, God, before I go to work, I'm going to charge myself up. I'm going to get myself in a place where I can keep those lights shining and not turn them off. And you know what? You could be at school and go, if you're at school and go, man, I'm getting discouraged. You can just walk away somewhere so someone doesn't think you're being a weirdo because that's what in um, 1 Corinthians 14, it literally talks about it and says that don't do it in a place where people are going to think you're weird. But just go to the tool and go, you know what, God, sit here to there, get that fire burning and go back and be the light again. But what we're going to do right now is that the, the music team's going to sing worship. And if that's you, we're not going to ask you to come to the front. If you want to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people like myself, Pastor Rob, Pastor Beth, we will come and pray for you. As Paul says, when he laid there, his hands on them, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, they, and I believe that it's not my hand. It's not the pastor's hand. It could be person to person. As long as you have that gift of faith, you know what, we believe for it, that you can receive that. And so these guys are going to worship, and I just believe for you today. If you want to receive that, raise your hands up. Everyone else will stand, and we'll pray and believe that we can see that be the reality in your life. Your name, your name is victory. Oh, pray. 